You know what, it feels like this morning we need like a campfire up here, doesn't it? It's like cozy, our bellies are full from Thanksgiving, you know, people are traveling and in and out, and we've got this cozy just like group of people right here, you know, and so I just commend you. My husband always says, congratulations, you ascended and made it to the third floor of the Lincoln Square this morning. Give yourselves a round of applause. Incredible, we're so thankful that you're here. And um, I'm so excited that the kids are in the house this morning. It's Family Sunday and uh, we love and embrace families and I feel like I got a couple cheerleaders here this morning. <laughs> so I'm pumped about that. And uh, listen, my husband and I and our son, we traveled for Thanksgiving, we flew to Indiana and in the spirit of the Midwest, I wore my boots today. I haven't worn these in forever. I was like, honey, are these weird? And he was like, no, they're not weird. And I was like, I feel weird, but they're super comfortable. I'm pregnant. So in the spirit of all things, pregnant in Midwest and Thanksgiving, here we are. And we have a couple really exciting things happening at our church in this moment, in this season at Kalo's Church. And the first one is this. We're walking through this series called The Blessed Life. And this series has really shown a light on, and we wanted to shine a light not on our sort of dysfunctional financial habits, which we all have, but mostly we wanted to shine a light on making sure that our financial habits, the way that we view money, the way that Jesus talks about money is lining up with biblical principles of who he is. Amen. That's what we want for you. That's what we want for our family because money is a big deal. Jesus talks about money so much in the scriptures. So this blessed life series, has been just a wonderful thing because we're we're taking you on a journey leading up to next week which we are calling our legacy offering. And I'm so excited about this legacy offering because this legacy offering, let me just tell you, it's not about giving money to Kalos Church. It's about giving money so that we can make an impact in our city, in our community. I was thinking about this phrase this morning. I was like, what if this Christmas, we as a church or you as a family could say, you know, it wasn't, I, I, I didn't find myself talking about all the things I got you know how we always say to each other, what'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get for the holidays? What if we could say, this is what I was able to give this year. I was able to give and give and give. And so next week, we have an opportunity for you to give in our legacy offering. We want to make a difference uh, locally, nationally, and internationally. And there's a little paper right on your seat called Legacy Offering that's happening next week. And if you have not actually gone online, listen, on our website, we actually have videos of the missionaries, of the organizations that we want to partner with this year. If you have not spent time just clicking on those videos, watching, looking at these actual people who are doing God's kingdom work and needing some local church to back them up, I encourage you to look at this piece of paper, take it home, and check it out because it's going to be a really beautiful thing as a church to be able to bless our community. Amen? It's going to be wonderful. And today's message, let me just tell you, this is, this is our third installment of this series. Today's message is titled Going Beyond the Numbers. Going Beyond the Numbers. And uh, if you've ever said this one sentence, if you deny that you have said this sentence, I know that you're lying. Um, but if you have ever said this sentence to yourself or to someone, 
Uh, and that is this, I don't have enough money. Honey, we don't have enough money to go do this or to get this or whatever. How many of you have said, have been there, you said, I don't have enough money. And you wish that you did. And this message is for you because we have all been there and there's a reality of life that happens to us. We hear the pastor talk about a legacy offering. We want to be generous. We want to give to our neighbor. We want to buy groceries for some friends who need help. But I don't have enough money. I don't have what I need to be able to be generous. And so I get it. We've been there. It just feels like there's not enough. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Up. It's a cute little Pixar movie. Anybody seen that? So cute. So cute. But I have a little clip I want to play because y'all are going to relate to this little clip from the movie Up. All right. You get the picture, right? Everybody getting the picture? <laughs> this is what happens, though, to us, right? I mean, we're saving money. We're just started. We're putting some pennies in our little jar, and the tire, your car breaks, or something happens, or somebody gets sick, or there's some hospital bills that you weren't expecting, and we don't have enough money. We just have that constant kind of rhetoric going on in our minds. And today, I want to look at this scripture. First Timothy 6 says this, People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. This, this dialogue, I don't have enough money. Or every time I have some money, something happens, right? We're in this cycle. Fall into a trap and into my foolish, to, into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Isn't this the truth? We find ourselves in like this black hole of this cycle of not having enough money. The scriptures even say some of us even walk away from our faith because money has such an impact in our families. It has, it has, has such an influence in who we are and how we define the things going on in our lives. And it, it can be piercing. It's like every time we're just getting our heads above water, right? As a family or as an individual, it, it just feels like something happens. And there's just this cycle. And, and what I want to talk about today is, is taking the money management skills that are very important for us to have, but making sure that they are backed up with some biblical, godly principles, because that will give us freedom, I believe, from the constant rhetoric of, I don't have enough money. Aren't you tired of saying that? Are you tired of feeling that way? Anybody ever been so strapped for cash you don't have to raise your hand for this, but you, you've been so strapped for cash that you don't even know where your next tank of gas is coming from. 
You know, you're just like, ah, I'm not in a good place. About 10 years ago, I was living in Colorado Springs. I was single. I had moved there with my very best friend from college. And we were uh, living there. Man, we were living the dream. We were there. We were excited. I had a job. And then I hated my job. And I quit my job. And then I had to find a new job. But in the midst of quitting my job and getting a new job, I was far away from my family. I was, I had just signed a lease for a year with my best friend. So I had to come up with some money. And so I I spent every day just looking for jobs and I had to figure out how to get back on my feet after uh, quitting this job. And I was going through a really hard time because how many of you know, nothing can bring you down even in your soul, like feeling like, how am I going to make it tomorrow? That's hard. It's a hard place to be. And money can have a lot to do with that. And so in Colorado Springs, there was this church. It was called New Life Church. And New Life Church had a building beside it called the Global Prayer Center. So I decided I'm going to pray my guts out until God gives me a job. I know I got to look for a job, but I'm also just going to pray. So what I would do, that prayer center was about 20 minutes away from where I lived. So I'd jump in my car, and I would go 20 minutes, and I would go pray. I mean, I would pray, people. You know, you don't have enough money, you pray. And you just say, God, will you come through for me? So I would go, and I would pray, and I would pray, and I would pray. And um, it got to a point where I was depleting all of the money that I had from my job. And I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And so I would, the, one morning I woke up and I was like, well, I'm not going to go to the prayer center because I'm on like a fourth a tank of gas and I need to save it for something, you know, for something else. And so I decided that I wasn't going to go pray that morning. I just pray at home. It's cheaper. Okay. So I decided to pray at home. And, uh, but as I was thinking and just kind of like getting ready, all this stuff, I felt like God, you know, have you ever held, felt like God spoke to you, like this still small voice inside of you or something nudged you. I felt like God said, Amritha, go pray at the prayer center. And I was like, okay, but I don't have enough gas. And so I decided to be obedient anyway. I got in my car. I drove up to the prayer center. I get on my knees. I'm praying, 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 praying. And out of the, out of the peripheral of my eyes, I see a, a woman that's kind of standing very close to me. It's a big space, but she's just, you know, like in the movie theater, people sit right beside you and you're like, there's a ton of seats. Anyway, that was the way it was. So this woman was sitting beside me. She had this beautiful African garb on. And she just looked so beautiful. She was in my peripheral. And I felt the Lord speak to me again and say, Amritha, talk to this woman. And I was like, okay, so I don't know. So I just go talk to her. I said, you, you look so beautiful. I just wanted you to know. I, th- I just think that your outfit is so beautiful. And she says, well, I am from, she says, a, a nation in Africa. I'm from a nation in Africa. And she says, I've been here visiting Colorado Springs and wanted to come check out the World Prayer Center. And she said, so I, uh, she said, but I'm going home today. I said, oh, I, I hope that you had a great visit in Colorado Springs. And she said, well, I have. And she said, you know what? She said, I know this is the weirdest thing, and I just met you. She said, but you, you're a praying woman. You came and prayed, so I know you're safe. You're not going to murder me. But she goes, is there any chance you'd give me a ride to the airport today? Because I'm leaving. I've been here for a little bit. I'm going back to Africa. And in my head, I was like, I don't have enough gas to take you to the airport. But I would love to. Uh, and so I just said, uh, Sure. 
I said, I can take you to the airport. Because I didn't, I was just like, I just felt like I need to say yes. And this poor woman needed a ride to the airport. So we get in the car. We start driving. I'm watching my, like, gas thing the whole way, you know, just, like, making, like, God, can you just supernaturally keep pushing my gas tank this way, you know? And I'm driving. And this lady says, hey, will you pull over here? I want to stop really quick and grab some things. Will you pull over here uh, before we get to the airport? And I said, sure. I said, where do you want to pull over? She goes, right here, right here. So I pull over over and she goes just just go over here she goes I want to fill your tank this morning with gas and I said you do and she goes yeah I want to fill your tank she had no idea the situation that I was in and I was like praise the Lord he will make a way where there seems to be no way can we give it up for Jesus this morning he takes he took care of me and of course when she said I want to fill your tank up with gas I was like oh no you don't need to do that you know you don't need to do that but really I was like oh thank you God you have no idea you know and so we've all been here right we've all been in that place where we're like Jesus I need you to come through I'm at the end of my rope I'm at the end of the month I need paid oh I didn't get paid like there's just these situations that happen and we need money and the truth is most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck we're living with anxiety we're living with strife we're living in a way that honestly we feel victim to our money right and that's why I want to talk this morning about the scriptures and about how making sure that, that our thoughts and our understanding about money line up with who God is and the principles that he's sharing in the scriptures this morning. And you know, when I was in college, I remember uh, basically my money management. Okay, some of you know a lot more about money than I do, okay? So I like know some of the basics. But basically in college, my money management was, Amritha, just don't spend more than you have in your account. Okay, like that was it. Like I didn't have a savings. I wasn't investing, nothing like that. I was just like, don't spend more than I have. And, uh, but as I got older and I started talking to people who know about money, and there was a time even that I sat down with a financial planner, they just kind of gave me some steps on how to do money management. And so there are five things that I wonder if, if you don't do that you should do. Maybe you have already implemented some of these things in your life. But I want to talk about them. Um, and there's, there's five of them. And then we're going to look at how godly principles can back these up. And they will change the way that we deal with our money in our, in our life. And so the first one is, is earning. We all have to have an income, right? You got to get a job. You got to work. You got to have some kind of income coming in. And that is earning. The second one is spending. Pastor Pradeep in a few weeks ago talked about how, uh, do you know where your money's going? It's so easy to spend money, but we actually don't know where our money is going. And did you know that actually the average American spends 136% of their income? Okay, that, like, that's where the math, like when I was in college, like don't spend more than you have, like that's where that comes in, okay? And uh, so spending, there is a danger. We gotta be careful about how we're spending, but spending is a huge part, whether you budget or not, it's a part of your, your money management or lack thereof, because we all spend money, right? Number three is this, savings. Savings is a biblical principle. If you're not saving, I encourage you to save. Figure out how to uh, put a 
little bit aside, have some savings. Uh, Proverbs 21, 20 says, the wise store up choice food, but the fool's gulp bears down. So it's a biblical principle. When I talked to a financial planner, that person said to me, have about three months of savings. Make sure that you can pay your bills if you lost your job or like in Colorado, I quit my job, that you can pay your bills for three months. Give yourself some leeway so you can get a new job, right? Savings number four is investing. This is where your money isn't, you're not just working for your money, but your money is working for you, right? So investments, I want to talk about investments here in just a little bit and some investing that our family has been doing uh, this last year. And the last one is giving. Oftentimes, when we think about giving, we're like, okay, after we earn and spend and save and invest anything I have left, I will give. I will give. I'll give to the church. I'll give to, uh, to people who may need some extra funds or whatever that looks like. I'll give. And I actually want to talk about giving this morning because I don't think we're actually in a, in a godly pr- principle with having that view, that lens of who Jesus is. And what he says about money, I think we're not just supposed to give what's left. I don't talk about that here in just a little bit. But giving is another uh, incredible way to, uh, another uh, incredible thing to have in your budget in the way that you do money. So I went through these five things kind of quickly because we're going to go through them a little bit deeper here in just a second. But, but as I look at these five things, these are good things, right, to have in our money management, in our budgets, to be thinking about and uh, just to keep aware as we're living our lives with money involved. And while these are good, I wonder if God's ways, the scriptures talk about God's ways being higher than our ways. And that's what I, what I want to talk about this morning. In Haggai 1, it says this. Now, this is what the Lord God Almighty says. So keep these five things in mind. We've got these five things. They're good. They're happening. But listen to what this scripture says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. That constant conversation, right? I don't have enough money. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You see, I believe that while these five things, while we have money management principles and some skills in money management, God intended for something more. He intended for us to look at our money, to look at our finances and our budget much differently. Listen, this is the God of the supernatural. This is the God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. There's something more. There's something we can experience in our money situations that I believe God wants us to grasp a hold of in this series, The Blessed Life. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.20. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God's ways are higher. And today we're going beyond the numbers. We're going just a little bit beyond these good money management skills. And we're going to make sure that we have some biblical, godly principles behind them. Are you ready for this? It's going to be really good. I believe that there's something that you can take away 
that is going to be really powerful in your life. There's a pastor. His name is Chris Hodges. He's my guy. You know, sometimes you have your favorite people who preach, and he's been a huge inspiration to me in this uh, sermon and also in our lives as we've been impacted by different money management, different money financial uh, sermons that have helped shape how we look at biblical, our biblical understanding of money. And so as we look at this, I want to go through each of these five things, and I want us to think about them a little bit different. The world's way of looking at things are foolish. What if God has a higher and a better way for us? Amen. So number one is this earning. We talked about earning. What if we looked at earning more as a calling versus compensation? There is no matter what, no matter how much money you make, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I can't say this enough. It will not fulfill you like walking in God's calling will. It is important to think about money not just as compensation. You say, Amrita, I got bills to pay. I don't have time to be a dreamer and just go do my dream job. I get that. But I encourage us today to make sure that we, 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 we are connecting to the calling of God in our lives and not just compensation. Uh, some of you may know this story. I'm going to tell it really fast. But when I was uh, getting married to Pastor Pradeep in 2012, a little over six years ago, uh, we were getting married. And you know what I was, one of the things I was most excited about other than, you know, being together and being married, um, I was so excited for dual income. How many of you are like, oh man, it's cheaper when you get married, sometimes. Um, and so anyway, I was so pumped about a dual income, and so we're about to get married, and I get this phone call. I had been praying to God about work and what my calling was and all this stuff, whatever. I get this phone call from this woman who says, will you come work with me for this nonprofit? We're working with orphans in Thailand, and we're working with uh, poor areas, communities in Cambodia. Amrita, I want you on my team. And I was like, what? That's incredible. I totally want to do that. I feel like... That's, call, that's a calling on my heart. And then she says this, I can't pay you, but you can raise your own salary. And I'm like, what? I'm getting married. I've got a wedding to pay for. And the long story short is we spent some time really praying about it. And it was a big step of faith. This dual income turned out a little bit different. But you know what, you guys? I gave up compensation at a really good job so I could follow the call of God on my life. And seven years later, here I am today, still working for that same organization. I have seen God move in the most miraculous ways in, in, in areas of poverty in Southeast Asia. I'm so glad I did that. And I tell you what, that first year, listen, listen, listen. That first year, not only did we not have the dual income that we were planning for, but God provided, because we went after our calling, God provided so much that that year we paid off my college debt. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we did it, but we did it. Because when you go after your calling, instead of just compensation, God will provide. He will be there for you. I want you to look at this quote. We don't just need money to live on. We need something to live for. Acts 20, 24 says, however I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. 
Some of the happiest people that I know are sitting in this room right now. You know that every Sunday morning, I come in here, and everybody's setting up for church, and I walk up to some people, and, I, and I'm just, I'm just so grateful, and I'm like, listen, I, I'm almost like apologetic. I'm like, I just want you to know, like, thank you so much for being here. Like, thank you for getting up and, like, doing this on a Sunday morning, like, and I'm almost, like, apologizing, like, as a pastor sometimes. I'm like, ah, oh, I just know what it probably took for you to get here, but you know that almost every time that I just go and, and thank people on our team for being here for for making this happen on a Sunday morning, they look at me and they say, I'm with it. there's no place I'd rather be. I don't actually want to be anywhere else. Like, this is a part of my calling. This is a part of what God wants me to do. We are created for more than compensation. We are created for calling. Amen? Okay, number two, spending. Spending, what if we looked at spending more as contentment versus consumerism? Listen, I know that some of you on your computer right now, you got a list ready for tomorrow, Cyber Monday, right? So if you forgot about Cyber Monday, you can thank your pastor for just reminding you about Cyber Monday tomorrow. But I tell you what, we are a Black Friday and a Cyber Monday and a uh, Amazon generation. That's who we are, man. We love it. I mean, I, my expectations for Amazon are just getting kind of out of control. Like, I kind of just want it to appear in my hand as soon as I, like, push, uh, push submit or whatever. And, uh, but, but we've got to be really careful, church. We've got to be really, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we've got to be careful because we have lost the value of contentment. I would say this, this, out of all of these five things, this is the one that convicted me the most. I don't feel like I'm somebody who always needs, I got to have the latest and greatest phone, I got to have whatever, but actually when I think about it, there are things that I think that are going to bring contentment to me that, that really have nothing to do with the kind of contentment that Jesus talks about. And, and another word that I would use for contentment as I was praying about this and as I was letting this like get into my soul is peace. If, you, if you're somebody that's living restless, you don't have peace in your heart. There, there's just a lack there. I would encourage you to find the value again of contentment. So let's think about our spending that way. Luke 12, 15 says this. Don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how, much, how rich we are. Philippians 4, 12. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. Paul is the one who's talking in that last scripture. And I love that he says this, I have learned. We are a generation that is going to have to like relearn contentment, okay? I have learned the secret of being content. And I think one of the best ways to be content is to be thankful, is to be truly grateful. Look at this quote. Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of what you already have. What you already have. We just celebrate Thanksgiving. Being thankful. We went through a season in our lives recently where I just realized that in order for me to experience the kind of joy and peace and contentment that God wills for my life as the mother of my home, as the wife to my husband, I have got to be truly grateful and as I was preparing for this message, I actually was in tears because I was remembering the day almost two years ago that we drove up to our house in Bellevue with our 11-month-old son with our friends. And we drove up and who knew? I didn't know that God would in that house 
start a church. He would be, that, that house would be the church that in March of 2019, I'm going to bring my baby girl home to. How thankful I am. I'm deeply thankful. And when, and whenever I begin to be thankful, contentment begins to just come all over my soul. And so we've got to learn. Paul says, I have learned. Would you learn? Would you commit to this biblical understanding of spending and learn the value of contentment? Amen? Number three, we're going through these kind of fast. Number three, savings. Savings is good. But let's look at savings and make sure that we're God-dependent versus independent. Right? So this is what happens, as you saw in the video, kind of, before it glitched out. This, we kept saving and saving and saving, and every time we saved, something would happen, and we break that jar, and we have to keep, uh, we, we keep spending. And so what happens is we, we put a value on savings that I think can be good. We want to save for that rainy day, right? But what happens, I think, that if we're not careful is that that savings becomes our security. And that's dangerous. Our security cannot be our savings account because the truth is when all hell breaks loose in your life and things are going wrong, Jesus is your hope, not your savings account. And it's good that you have savings, but God wants us to see that he is our hope. Don't put your trust in your savings account. Even if you have a little bit, even if you have a ton, don't put your trust in it. Be God-dependent, not independent of God in your finances. Proverbs 38 through 9 says this, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. I believe that we are going beyond the numbers here in this church. Amen. We want to make sure that we are God-dependent. He is our source of hope. This, uh, this quote, I love this quote, I will not trust in riches but in him who richly provides. Can we just say this quote together? I love it. Let's say it together. Ready? I will not trust in riches but in him who richly provides. There's something powerful when we just actually say it and believe that. So I encourage you to be a God-dependent person. You need to marry a husband who's a God-dependent husband. You need to marry a wife who's a God-dependent wife. Those are important values in our life that, that we must have. He is our source, not our savings account. Number four, investing. Stewardship versus ownership. We need to look at investing a little bit differently. Okay, so like in my family, my husband has come to me and he's been really interested in investing in, investing in, in some different investments, uh, one of which he brought up last week, which is cryptocurrency. Anybody out there big believers in cryptocurrency? Okay, baby, you are you're on your own. <laughs> no, we got Andrew right here. Awesome. So listen... It's so funny because it, and it's so funny because pretty people will come to me and says, Amritha, you know, can we invest this much into cryptocurrency or into this investment? And I'm like, I, I like have a hard time with investing because I'm like a show me the money girl. You know, like he's like, we can take it out if we need to take it out. I'm like, okay, baby, show me the money. Like, I want to see this investment. And then he's like, well, no, we're not going to pull it out. It's an investment. It's growing. I'm like, what is up with this invisible investment money? Like, I want to see the money, right? But I, I want us to look at what it means to be a steward versus an owner. A steward manages something that belongs to some, someone else 
with that person's priorities in mind. Okay, so, okay, so we are people of God. You know what that means? Every single thing that I own is not mine. God has given me everything that I need. Everything that I own. That house that I just talked about on Bellevue, that is not mine. It's, also, it's not mine in many ways. But it's just not, it is not mine. It belongs to God. And this is what happens. If we would think of investing more as being a steward of something someone else gave me according to their priorities, then everything that God has given me, I'm going to say, how can I use that for God's glory? How can I use that to make sure that even in my eating, even, even in my, at the table at my house where I eat, how can I make sure somebody who doesn't know the love of God is sitting with me at my table and a meal that I prepared because God gave me the ability to do that so they could know Jesus. Those are God's priorities. So I want to be, be a steward of what God has given me. Look at Matthew 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust decay and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Be a steward, friends. Be a steward. Get, get, get a grip on the fact that the stuff that you have is not yours. And, 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 and if you are a steward, how can you steward what God has given you for godly priorities? I want everything that Pastor Pradeepan and I own and, and have. Man, I want it to be used for God's glory because I know that if I begin to put my life and my trust and my hope in those things, it will leave us empty. So be a steward, not an owner, as you invest. Last one, giving, giving. What if we looked at giving giving? Uh, in generosity versus misery. You know, at the end of the day, I think that if I could take one of these principles that we just talked about today, and I could move, if I could move number five up to number one, I would. Because I don't think we're just supposed to give generously when we have just a little bit left, but I think God wants us to start there. Amen. I promise you that if you get an understanding of generosity in your life, if we don't just look at earning, spending, savings, and investing, and then give, we look at giving first. We look at what I can give. No, and you're, you're, you're saying, but I'm strapped for cash. I don't have enough money. No, 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 no. Listen, no matter how much you have, I believe that God has called you to be generous. He has called you to give. We as a church want to be generous. You know what I love? I was thinking about this today, and I was like, you know, we didn't wait five years or ten years before we decided to, uh, we decided to be a church that would be generous. No, we, 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 last year we did a big give. This year we're doing the legacy offering. No, we're a church that says off the bat, as much or as little as we have and what God gives us, we're going to bless the community of Bellevue. We're committed to that. We're committed to generosity in our lack and in, in, in our plenty. Okay? I love this. Look at this, uh, this uh, scripture, Acts 30, 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. I love this quote. I realize that the value of my life isn't determined by what I achieve or accumulate, but how much of my life I give away. Giving, being generous, it's a huge part, a huge part of the principles, the, the financial skills backed up with the power of God that I believe that we're supposed to walk in today. And I want to tell you this quick story to end this morning. 
I remember as a little girl, uh, my parents didn't have a ton of money, um, and we were like, my siblings and I, we were like right in a row, okay? So we were like five, six, seven, or seven, eight, nine. We were right in a row. So every time the school year came around, it was a lot of money to get like school supplies and school clothes and school shoes. And I remember this one year, um, this, I remember this one year, my mom was like, you guys, you got to wear your school shoes from last year this year, because we don't have enough money for new school shoes. And we were all like, oh, man, you know, like they were probably fine, just a little bit dirty. Um, but we were just like, everybody's going to show up to school with new school shoes. And I'll never forget my aunt came to our house one day, and she loaded the three of us kids up in the car. We were elementary kids. And we started driving, and we went to the mall, and we went to a shoe store, and she said, pick out shoes that you want for school this year. And I'll never forget that my aunt stepped in and she bought us new school shoes. Do you know that, that that gift was one of the most treasured gifts of my life? I mean, now I, I can afford new shoes, but that, that, you know when somebody does something like that for you? It sticks with you. It stays with you. She was so generous. And that meant something to me so deeply. So this morning, I just encourage you. I encourage you. I've got three just quick practical steps. Would you take one of the five of these and and, and really spend some time on it and make sure it's a part of your money management. Make sure you've got some the grounded, grounded biblical principles. Number two, or it, it, a practical step you can take is really pray. We're not going to ask you for money for next week. We're going to ask you to ask God. Really pray. What does he want you to give for the legacy offering? And number three, we have an automated reoccurring giving here. And just a step even in Pastor Pritivan's message about tithing and offering last week. Would you do that? I tell you what, if you're generous, if you, if you do some of these practical things, I, I want to take what we, we just talked about and make them practical. If you do it, I, I really believe that you're going to sense a shift in your home and in your budget and, and in how you view money. I really do. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to give those of you who feel far from God, who've never made a decision for Christ, an opportunity to know him. But let's just pray, can we? Let's pray and ask God to root us deeply in the principles and biblical understanding of money and finances. So Lord, we thank you. We bless you, God. It is our heart's desire as a church, Lord, to not just deal with our money and the foolish ways of the world, but God, to truly have biblical, godly principles, to have a power behind the way that we live with our money, God, that is different than this world. So I pray that as every family, every individual, every person in this room begins to seek you, God, submit their finances, submit their family situations to you, God, that you would come through, that you would, Jesus, free us from the trap, the conversation that we don't have enough money. God, I thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for talking about money in the scriptures, for setting us free, for helping us not live in a way that is destructive in our finances, Lord. In Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed still, if, if you heard this message, you just say, oh man, I'm far from God. I need Jesus. I need Jesus so much. I'm going to count to three, and I just want you to lift up your hand, and I want to give you an opportunity this morning to make a decision to follow Jesus. So on the count of three, just slip up your hand. One, two, three. If that's you this morning, you want to give your heart to Jesus. Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. 
amazing. You can put your hands down. I want everybody to look up to the screen. For those of you that raised your hand, man, this is a beautiful day, a beautiful prayer. This isn't a magic spell, but this is the start of a beautiful relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's read this prayer all together as these people give their hearts to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give it up for Jesus this morning?